All right, here we go. In three, two, one. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on gun violence prevention. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. What we're focusing on in this episode are solutions. We all know there's been a rise in shootings, not just in New York City, but around the country. Why is that happening? But more importantly, what can be done about it? Whether it's a mass shooting, whether it's an individual shooting in the commission of a regular day-to-day crime, we wanna know what can be done to stop this because too many lives are being lost. Joining me for an incredible discussion on this is Dr. Warren Eller. He's a professor at John Jay College. He's also a Navy and Army veteran and a firearms policy expert. Dr. Eller, thank you for your service and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Matt. We appreciate it. Also with us is A.T. Mitchell. He is the founder and president of a community-based organization that has grown over the years to stop violence on the streets called Man Up Inc. He is also the new New York City gun violence prevention czar. A.T., great to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be with you, Lisa. Thank you. For and thank you for all you've been doing over the years for all your, with all the young people, especially to try to go block by block, literally to stop the, stop the shootings. Thank you. Thank you. Also with us is Paul DiGiacomo. He's the president of the New York City Detectives Endowment Association. He's also an NYPD detective with 40 years of service himself. Paul, thank you so much for being with us and thank you for your service. Thank you, great to be with you. We really appreciate it. AT, I wanna start with you on this. In terms of where you see things now, because you've been at this for a long time, what do you see happening? Is it as bad as it seems to be? Uh, no question about it. It's, it's very bad. I mean, it really is on the ground, as you know, Lisa, where I've spent a lot of my time, my boots are on the ground um, throughout the city of New York. It's, 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 it's very bad. It almost it re- kind of reminds us of how it was in the 80s and in the, the 90s. It has that feel, although statistically it's not that, you know, that bad. It's just a, it's just the feeling. It's the same kind of feeling, the, the, the trauma the fear that people have um, as they are coming outside to go to the store or go to work or or just getting on the subway. So it's definitely um, a very bad time right now. And Paul, what's your perspective on it? Because you've certainly seen uh, the city go through a lot of different changes on the streets in terms of the violence. Your detectives have been working to do, you know, to deal with a lot of these cases and this this flood of cases that are happening right now. Where do you see us in, in 2022? Well, I don't see it getting any better. Uh, I lived through the uh, crack epidemic uh, back in the 80s. I was on patrol uh, in Brooklyn in the 80s and the 90s, and uh, uh, crack was running rampant. Guns were on the street running rampant. And the only thing that stopped it was a a special narcotics prosecutor. Uh, That put a lid on it. That stopped the violence. It stopped the the crack epidemic. And I think that's what we need now. I think we need a special firearms prosecutor to strictly deal with firearm crimes and firearm violence. All right, we're gonna talk about that too and, and also what's what's being done with it. Dr. Warneller, you are a, a policy expert. A lot of people feel like, okay, we're in the middle of this gun violence, whether, as I said, it you know whether it's individualized in the commission of an individual crime or with these horrific mass shootings where children are being killed. The But the solutions that we're hearing, a lot of them sound like the same old, same old. How do you view things now? Well, I I think you've got it exactly right there. We are here the same old, same old, because uh, we that that's really the the ideas that are out there. There there are more ideas. And unfortunately, both your other guests have it right. We have had a 20 year boon of 
an improving climate nationally. And we've hit a spike that's reminiscent of, of times 20, 30 years ago. And the, the problem is we don't have the will to take a lot of the solutions that we've taken in the past uh, and to look at the factors affecting things that are larger than simply just firearms. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to find out what our guests have to say. Is it tougher laws? Is it, is it tougher enforcement? Have the police had their hands tied? And what's going on on the ground in the communities when so many of the shooters, especially in New York City, are under the age of 18? That's all coming up when we return. Yeah, yeah, what up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people, only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on Gun Violence Solutions. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining us for this conversation, Dr. Warren Eller. He's a professor at John Jay College. He's a Navy and Army veteran and a firearms policy expert. Dr. Eller, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is A.T. Mitchell. He is the founder and president of Man Up Inc. It is a street-based, community-based violence prevention organization. And he is also the gun violence prevention star for New York City right now. A.T., thank you so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure, Lisa. Good to see you again. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Paul DiGiacomo. He's the president of the New York City Detectives Endowment Association. And he's also a New York City or NYPD detective for 40 years now. So he's seen a lot of these changes with the gun violence over the years. Paul, great to have you with us. Good to see you again, Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much. Paul, I wanna start with you on this in terms of, and everybody, please feel free to jump in. A lot of people are saying, what is going on? We're seeing NYPD detectives and police officers taking over 3000 illegal guns off the streets of New York. Um, in the, the first half of 2022, we're seeing record numbers of prosecutions, arrests, targeted, targeting the most violent individuals, and yet it doesn't seem to be having a dent. What do you, what do you see is going on? Well, I think the conviction rate, we're making the arrests. Uh, the conviction rate on the gun arrests are only at 17%. Um, so I, I think there needs to be an increase in the convictions, and there needs to be consequences for carrying a loaded illegal firearm. Uh, right now, there is no consequences and these uh, violent individuals are putting, being put back out onto the street and victimizing the people of our communities uh, again. A.T., what about that? The, the mayor has spoken about that too, that people think the criminal justice system is a joke. He, even, he used that exact phrase. They think it's a joke. And there, there are a lot of people in the community, and I'm sure you hear from them all the time when you walk out the door, are saying no one's afraid of carrying a gun in New York anymore. They're just not afraid because even if they get caught, they're going to be right out while the officers are still writing up the paperwork. We saw the shooting in the uh, on the Q train with a man going to brunch, and the his alleged shooter, accused shooter, was out on had a, a two year old conviction conviction on a gun charge, but ended up doing like virtually no time for it. What do you what do you see? Is is that true? There's no fear on the streets. Is that what, what's missing? Well, I wouldn't say it's any fear on the streets. Um, um, I think there's a lot of fear. Um, as I said earlier, a lot of people are living in fear right now on the streets, and so there's a lot of fear. But the 
the, prolifer the proliferation of guns that make its way into the communities, I mean, it's just out of, you know, out of control. You know, you talked about how many guns have already been recovered this year. I mean, that's a lot of guns. And then unfortunately, you know, they're making its way into the hands of uh, just misguided missiles, as I call them. Um, and then we having a lot of havoc that you see being reaped. I wouldn't want to rule out a lot of the uh, issues around the, you know, the pandemic that has also kind of contributed to it. A lot of those things, I think, has a lot to do with it. I mean, New York has some of the toughest gun laws in the nation, if not the toughest. Um, I think there has to be a combination of, of, of a holistic approach, and I believe that's what this administration is focusing on. How do we uh, be tough on, of course, on crime, but at the same time, how do we be tough with, with providing the solutions to prevent the crime from ever happening? Dr. Eller, what about, speak specifically to us for uh, about New York City, because the, 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 the tough laws are there, and yet they don't seem to be, in, they're enforced, the police officers seem to be doing their job, getting these arrests, the community organizations, like ATs are doing their job on the trying to work with the youth and redirect them. What, what's the missing component here in your view? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things, right? One is we are, we have a, we have a bit of a split focus here and it's great that we're talking about uh, community activism and we're talking about law enforcement and we've got one big missing chunk, which is the, the judicial system, right? We've got an incredibly low conviction, right? We've got uh, very, very low, right? If you think in terms of carrots and sticks, the law enforcement have very, very few sticks to use in these kind of situations. Um, and on the other side, we don't have much in the way of carrots either, right? We've got some, some pretty severe economic disparity. And it's well and good to, to say we want to deal with gun violence. But if you don't deal with the driver of that gun violence, if you don't deal with the reason somebody picked up a, a firearm in the first place and give them an opportunity for something better than what their outlook looked like, we're not going to fix the problem. We're going to contain it. And Paul, what about the in, in terms of the tools that that officers have? Because uh, uh, Chief Essex has, has, has said we're now they're now focusing on these targeted investigations where it's it's the same handful of individuals that are causing a lot of the mayhem. What's your what's your per, what's your feeling about what's happening now in terms of the tools that detectives have? Well, I think uh, you know a lot of these issues uh, started uh, when our politicians enacted some ill-advised laws. Uh, there's a direct correlation between the change in the bail reform laws and the uptick in gun violence in New York City. Uh, I think it was well-intended, but it's not working and it needs to be fixed. Uh, the discovery laws are backing up the judicial system. It's not working as well. And uh, we need our politicians, both in the city council and in Albany to fix what they broke. AT, what, what do you think about that? Because obviously we, we, we came through an era where the federal government found there was racial profiling in terms of, of stop and frisk, but I'm sure you see it on your social media and also it, at the public events that you're at speaking at in community meetings, people are saying, we need to bring that back in a, in a, a new form. What's your feeling about that? I mean, I think that people have a right to their opinions. And I mean, they definitely, um, I guess it's coming from a place of, of where they, like we talked about earlier about their fear. I just think that, you know, we have to be mindful and careful that we don't go back, like you said, to those days where we were violating people's civil liberties as a result of trying to make sure that we get these guns off the street. I think it boils down to, in my opinion, some just good police and groundwork, you know, breaking police work that has to happen um, and knowing exactly like who are the bad guys and removing them and, and just keeping in mind that the overwhelming majority of 
of any of those neighborhoods are good people. Yes, so, absolutely. Right, we can't subject the entire community uh, because there are a few bad apples. We have to, you know, have a holistic approach. Dr. Ella, what about in, ter in terms of some of the policies that you see that have been, have been enacted in New York City in order to comply with the, uh, you know, with the, with the federal court ruling and also because of to, to adjust the racial imbalance in terms of arrests? They've gone to a very targeted precision policing approach. Is that what do you what's your opinion on that? Well, and, and let me let me be upfront about this, too. Policing is not my area of expertise as far as, as policies that deal with that. And I, I think uh, what Paula just said made a lot of sense. Uh, I think we can do both, right? We can do proactive policing. There's a ton of information about proactive policing, and we can do it in a way that respects civil liberties. I don't think that's a challenge. I think, uh, as Paul pointed out earlier, there was a mistake made when we decided that uh, it, it would become an us against them during a pandemic condition, right? Until police are a part of the community and can move through that community and work with the leaders of communities, we're going to continue to have this state of anime, which is going to continue to drive all sorts of crimes, not simply the shootings. Dr. Ellen, but what do you, in terms of the, the gun, the gun policy, state and federal, we keep hearing, you know, New York, these guns are coming in from out of state. They're coming in from other places. Are there, are there, are there uh, what, what you would call big holes in the system that, in, in terms of policy? I don't think, I think in the state of New York, there aren't holes in the policy. I think the problem is, uh, if you think about markets, right, if you have a market failure somewhere, something will pop up and fill that failure, right? So if you sell shoes and you don't sell tennis shoes, somebody will open a tennis shoe store. I think we've gotten to the point, especially in New York, where we so regulate firearms. Right? If you look at the state report, 76% of firearms in the state, not just not in the city, which I would suspect would be higher, are all illegally are illegal firearms brought into the state. With that case, there's not much more we can do to limit guns legally in the state, right? And we now have an a, a environment where we can 3D print the majority of a gun, where we can buy online a CNC machiner that will mill out a complete firearm for us. Uh, so, you know, we can continue to regulate the possession of those things, but more laws I don't think are going to help with this. We really need to find interventions that get us to these sources of illegal production and, and illegal uh, transportation. And more laws will certainly give prosecutors tools to use in the courtroom, right? Plus ups on their conviction, on their charges, if you will. But it's not going to get to the source. And that's where we really need to focus some efforts. Paul, what do you think about that in terms of, because we, we keep hearing, you know, the pandemic and, and a lot of people, to be honest, I'm sure, I, I think a, a lot of people would agree with me on this, there were, there were New Yorkers during the pandemic that turned to side hustles, that turned to different types of things. We've seen a college student taking a bus into the Port Authority. He was moving. He was charged with, with selling um, you know, more than 60. I think it was like 67 guns. He was uh, charged with selling illegal guns. We've seen doormen in, in fancy apartment buildings. We've seen a lot of people that would otherwise not have been considered criminals inv involved in this. What do you think needs to, to really change here to stop well, this well, flow? Because the, the mayor, Mary Adams has talked about this a lot too. And so has uh, Governor Hochul and, you know, th repeatedly like the, this flow, it's just like this flood. I think it's a pretty simple fix, uh, Lisa. And uh, the way I see it is uh, I think right at this point, 
at its peak, uh, there should be many task forces in every borough of New York City, uh, comprised of New York City detectives, ATF agents, New York State Police, and um, I said ATF already. Uh, ATF, ATF, New York State Police, uh, New York City detectives, and uh, there was another group I had in mind. I'm sorry. Well, the me. U.S. Marshals have been working with them with yeah, a lot of the gun, US Marshals, the gun violence. A coordinated right. effort uh, by uh, city, state, and federal uh, law officials to combat these guns coming into our city. And uh, it's, it, you know, they could prosecute on the state level and they could prosecute on, on the federal level. And a lot of these guns could be stopped because the trafficker that gets the gun, when he obtains that firearm, he's obtaining it legally and then bringing it into our, our city. Uh, and that could be stopped a lot sooner than the sale of 60 firearms with that one trafficker. A.T., what do you think about that in terms of have you have you seen a lot more coming in to communities? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's that bad, you know, where the accessibility of these guns, handguns mostly in New York City, um, is, is, is easier for young people or for people to get an access to a gun than it is for them to even get a job. You know, we think about it in that manner. Like the, it's, it's like you said, it's been almost like our city has been flooded with all of these um, handguns. And so, yeah, I believe a lot of the concentration needs to be on that level. We need to focus on our borders. We need to focus on our harbors. We need to focus on preventing the gun from making their way into the inner city, you know, from the very beginning, because once it makes its way in, unfortunately in our communities, it's, it's, glor it's glorified, right? They, they look at the video games, they look at the movies that they play, they listen to their music and all of these other things that feed that mindset. And, and, and they have no full idea on even how to use these weaponries. This is why, unfortunately, we see a lot of these shootings where they're innocent people are being shot. You like know? a little 11-year-old, like the 11-year-old like girl. 11-year-old girl, the 11-year-old baby, if up in the Bronx, if you recall, the 12-year-old in Brooklyn. I mean, so it's, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, the outcomes of, of, of these crimes. But if we can also focus as much attention on, on how these guns are making their way into the neighborhoods, I think that will also have a great deal of, of positive effect in our neighborhoods. Because if they don't have access, they can't use guns. All right. When we come back, we're going to find out, can new laws being proposed, new laws that are, are actually on the books in, in New York State being considered federally, can those change it and make things safer for everybody in this country? We'll find out what our guests have to say when we come back. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You dig? Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on gun violence prevention and solutions. Joining me for this conversation, Dr. Warren Eller. He's a professor at John Jay College. He's a Navy and Army vet, and he's also a firearms policy expert. Dr. Eller, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is A.T. Mitchell. He's the founder and president of the long-term uh, community organization that's done a lot of work in the streets of New York City called Man Up Inc. He's also our gun violence prevention czar here in New York City. A.T., thanks for being with us again. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Paul DiGiacomo. He's the president of the New York City Detectives Endowment Association. He's been a New York City detective, NYPD detective for 40 years. Paul, thank you so much for being with us. Good to see you, Lisa, thank you. We, we appreciate it. Dr. Eller, we, we hear about red flag laws. 
we've seen examples of them where they haven't been working or where the information that's collected locally doesn't get to this federal database. What is your opinion on that? I think I think those are two separate issues. Let me start with that. I think, okay. uh, you know, the NCIS database works really well for what it's got. The problem is, is it can only work with the information it's got, just like any other database. And one of the problems that we have is the dearth of information that it has over and above just a, a, a typical criminal record. The other is agencies' abilities to load information into this system. So when you're talking about going in for a background check, right, only individuals who have had violations and this goes into that NCIS uh, system will be stopped. The red flag laws are separate, right? These extreme protection orders that uh, are in most states across the country, and they're pretty similar to a Baker Act, except they expand a little bit. Uh, and they do one thing that's really important, uh, and, and the media talks about it a lot, is gun confiscation. I think it's important to point out that red flag laws are not gun confiscation. Red flag laws are law enforcement taking possession of somebody else's property. And in most jurisdictions, like the state of Connecticut, that person still maintains ownership of that firearm. They simply don't have possession of it. But wait a minute, so explain, because I understood, and I, and I think a lot of other people did too, when, when we've heard discussions about these red flag laws, it's you go to purchase, a, if you go to purchase a gun in a state where you can legally do that, you, they take your information, you have to be cleared unless you have one of these red flags, you know, on you because of a criminal record or domestic violence or, or violent, you know, violent felonies like armed robberies or something or attempted that's, murder. That's a background check. Uh, that's a standard background check that's required in all commercial firearms transactions. And that's what the Congress is talking about right now when they talk about enhanced background checks. Now, nobody's defined the word enhanced for us. So, that may or may not be fantastic. I can't really tell you till we know what that word means. The red flag laws right now are state by state. They're talking about, uh, there is talk of doing it at the federal level. The feds currently are talking about creating grants so that states can implement these red flag laws. But what a red flag law is, is if you as a person see a red flag pop up with somebody who is a gun owner, right? My husband's acting weird. He just got fired and he's tense. Uh, my my son is is you know being very very weird. He had a weird breakup. Or, or like the Buffalo race, like the racist murders in the in, in Buffalo with that eighteen year old. Exactly. Or the gentleman in Texas, or the uh, young man, I guess, in Texas, who was posting on Facebook and sending messages to people. What a red flag law does is it allows uh, individuals, and depending on what state you are in, who those individuals are, right? At a minimum, it's direct family members and caregivers. But it allows them to contact law enforcement. I believe in the state of New York, it's contact the courts. And what will happen is uh, law enforcement will go and it will relieve that individual of their firearms immediately and then be offered due process after the fact. All right. So the I, idea. I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say a red flag law. The idea of a red flag law is an imminent and temporary intervention. Whereas the oh, okay. background checks are a barring from actually uh, owning. At do you think? Can you think of any any laws that might help in, in terms of New York? Like we have the, the governor signed a new package of a package of laws about uh, you know banning certain things and and raising the age for being able to to purchase an assault rifle. What do you think about that? 
I think that any law that strengthens uh, gun control and access, I think, is, is, is helpful for us. I mean, again, we and the work that I do is in the urban centers of the state. And so, again, we just see that these guns are making their way in. And so any way that can prohibit that from happening is a is a win win for us, because once those guns again make their way into the hands of the wrong individual, we have a lot of havoc to deal with. You know, a lot of trauma, unfortunately, that follows. And so, you know, for us, when it relates to the gun control, I believe that this is a two-handed sort of thing that has to be more tougher law or gun control laws on one hand. And of course, you know, we have to make sure that we are still, again, we're addressing the root cause of what is happening in the inner cities, what's happening in the neighborhoods where unfortunately poverty is, is, is at its all-time high, unemployment and all those other drivers that puts people, um, into, I guess, into a mindset to want to use um, a gun in a crime. And then when you talk about root problems, you're talking about the poverty, the lack of lack of really education programs, especially for the youth. Absolutely. All of those things do play a part in um, why, you know, people are, called, I guess, leaning towards committing crimes. Right. And again, I think what are we doing here in New York City is different. We're, we're focusing on those that same issue in the same neighborhoods and the same individuals. The work that we do is to get to them before they actually commit a crime. If these people who are, you know, have uh, issues with housing, having legal challenges, and our goal is to no, and, and a lot of them too. A lot of them too, especially with the young ones, have been cases cases where there there was a criminal justice involvement. With, with with the parent or the caregiver that they were with. But Paul, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, Chief, uh, Chief of Detectives Essig had said that the, the age of the of the shooters was of concern, that over the last two years, the age of the of the shooters has gone down as many as young as, as 11 and 12 in some, some of these most shocking cases. Has that been your is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. It's been uh, definitely an increase in uh... Uh, younger people involved in shootings, and that's a that's a big concern uh, because uh, when they do fire the gun, uh, many times uh, the intended target is not who gets shot. It's an innocent bystander or uh, a child or a mother walking in the street, and it's uh, it's very unfair. But New York City detectives have been out there uh, solving these crimes in record time. Uh, the homicides and the shootings and the recovery of these firearms, uh, they're doing an amazing job at a very difficult time. Uh, but we need the criminal justice system to do theirs, whether the, uh, the shooter is 12 years old or, uh, or, or 50 years old. There needs to be consequences uh, if you shoot or carry a loaded illegal firearm in New York City. And, that, and that's uh, a lot of people would agree with that. Um, this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on gun violence prevention. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining us for this conversation, Dr. Warren Eller. He's a professor at John Jay College, a Navy and Army veteran, and also firearms policy expert. Dr. Eller, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us, A.T. Mitchell. He's the founder and president of Man Up, Inc., a community organization that's been around for many, many years, trying to bring peace to the streets. He's also the New York City gun violence prevention czar. A.T., great to have you with us again. It's a pleasure always to be with you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Paul DiGiacomo. He's the president of the New York City Detectives Endowment Association and an NYPD detective for 40 years. Paul, thank you so much for being with us. Great to see you again, Lisa. We really appreciate it. 
AT, if you could, um, in your role as gun violence prevention czar, what are some of the things that you're trying to implement or work towards that you feel would, would bring make a dent in this? Well, it's, it's twofold, right? The mayor has signed an executive order that uh, named me as one of the co-chairs of the Gun Violence Prevention Task Force, whereas we and my uh, co-chair, Deputy Mayor Sheena Wright, will lead a conversation with other city elected higher level officials and commissioners. Basically, our goal is to get to as many resources that we can possibly muster up that the city already has access to. Right, is to find out how could we, as a, as an entire city, wrap our minds around how do we attack this gun violence uh, epidemic um, collectively, and then secondly, with those resources, how do we get it to the most neediest people in the neighborhood? So, on one hand, there's precision policing, and now on the other hand, there's precision prevention. We're looking at how do we pour resources on this issue. There are, based on data, based on statistics, certain neighborhoods we know are where the highest crimes and gun violent crimes are taking place. And we're zeroing in on those same neighborhoods. The work that we're doing through the crisis management system here in New York City with the pure violence global model at its core, we're deploying more and more violence interrupters into those neighborhoods, into the schools, and to be able to get to the issue before it ever happens. That's a very, very important part because unfortunately, when people see the guns uh, incidences on the news, I mean, it's too late. What they don't see is the amount of interventions and mediations and interruptions that are taking place every single day. That are going on to, to prevent that. Dr. Eller, in, in, in terms of solutions, in terms of things that would you know make, make a dent, especially in New York City with this street violence, which is often, often random in terms of who gets hit and who suffers from it, what, what, what recommendations would you be making? And and that's uh, you're right. That you know, one of the things about New York, New York is different than everywhere else in the country. It's so dense. Um, You know, for instance, New York is five times the size of the state of West Virginia in terms of population. Uh, So the density makes this so so dangerous in this area. And I think actually we've heard two really great suggestions here. We can we can model interventions and we can continue to try to use law enforcement to stem the tide of what's going on, to intervene in the transportation routes, to intervene in the supply routes, and to intervene personally when events happen. But I think, and one of the things that I like so much about the work AT does is AT is trying to fix the problem before it occurs, right? It's not just an intervention, it's an intervention plus. And the problem we have You know, we want to talk about gun controls in terms of one crazy person who goes and shoots up a school. But the problem is one person with a handgun who's out there and and looking to do some sort of economic crime. And as long as it is more profitable to be bad than good, quite frankly, the more we're going to have that problem. Right. So it can't simply be we're going to outlaw guns. And if all guns are gone, we'll be good with people just having knife crimes. That's not really a solution. That's that's just displacement, right? The solution is we start creating a path for people where they can see a successful future. And until we get that, we're never really going to fix the problems that, quite frankly, Mayor Adams has been burdened with. And, and Dr. Eller, in terms of the future, where do you see things trending? Uh, right now, no place good. Um, you know, I think 
And as I've said, it's not just gun violence, right? We've had a threefold increase in opioid deaths across the country. We're having a number of crises, crises that come up from this, this general uh, enemy that is just permeating the entire nation. And unfortunately, in New York, we see it worse than everybody else just because we have such a high density. Uh, but I think we're making inroads to, to stemming these these tides, um, and hopefully we'll be able to continue to do that. Be able to do that, Paul. In terms of the NYPD detectives, you've had to uh, your your men and women have had to make a lot of adjustments, change a lot of policies, devise a lot of new strategies, like this precision these precision arrests and these targeted enforcements without you know jeopardizing people's uh, civil rights. But you've also played a role, and I want to acknowledge this too because I've seen it firsthand, is a lot of your detectives, when they're on a murder case in particular, like the Brandon Hendricks case, you do not leave those parents and those loved ones alone. Like you never forget, and you're always there to to support them. Why is that such an important part for you? Well, you know, New York City detectives, uh, when they solve these cases, they they become are somewhat attached uh, to the families and the victims. Um, you know, it, it's very difficult when you investigate a case and, and you see what happens from day one uh, to the day of the arrest. And uh, a lot of work, compassion uh, goes into it. And New York City detectives are, are there to bring some compassion and closure to these families. And then in terms of the, in terms of the stress, because I know just from, from, co- like from covering covering these stories as, as, as a crime and criminal justice reporter and interviewing a lot of the victims and their families and their loved ones. It's just, you know, there's a certain point where I have to like, really kind of like, let me just kind of replenish myself and, you know, get my head, get my head right after it. Cause it's, it's really horrific when you see the devastation that these, that the gun violence is, is causing to, to so many of these families. How do the detectives deal with it? Well, it's very difficult, uh, but they do their job. Uh with pride every day. Uh, but the problem is this, Lisa, that we're losing a tr- tremendous amount of New York City detectives. Um, and it's a lot of knowledge and talent that we're losing because it takes years to obtain that talent and knowledge. And uh, they're walking out the door for numerous reasons uh, because of the, uh, the Ill- ill-advised laws that have been enacted, bail reform, the diaphragm compression bill, and this um, you know, vaccine mandate. Uh, that has been lifted for many other professions, uh, but not for the uh, for law enforcement. And it's going to have a devastating effect on, on the safety of the people of the city. Anything hopeful that you see ahead? Because there have been a lot of new new methods. We've we've heard this term uh, from, from many of the different leaders within the NYPD of reinventing, reinventing policing, trying to integrate more with the organizations like ATs and the other, the violence interrupters and the cure violence groups to to try to deal with it. We've seen the NYPD even open up the community center for the youth that has a lot of different programs in East New York. What, can you give us anything hopeful? Well, I, I will say this, they're great programs, but we have to remember this. Uh, unfortunately, there are bad people out there and there are people that are looking to victimize good people in our communities. And you need New York City, New York City detectives out there uh, to put these people behind bars where they, where they belong. Uh, but you need the cooperation of the criminal justice system, and you need our politicians to wake up and fix what they broke. Hey, Tim, we'll give you a final word. What do you, what would have to happen for you to say, okay, we're making inroads? 
Well, I, first of all, I just want to just thank you again, Lisa, and of course my my, my panelists as well, um, and thank them for all their service that they've also uh, have done over the years. I believe that we just have to be optimistic. I think as as anybody, I don't think that anybody should succumb, as been mentioned, to this type of um, these these horrific days. We should not just curl up and just you know. I think the community has a very important role. I think they need to step up, continue to step up as they have, and be able to work. You know, to push. The, you know. Up Push peace forward, as as you know, that's the program that you right, push for peace. Push for peace, and I think once we all kind of collaborate and all respect each other's lane and understand that we all have a role and a responsibility, and we all are working, you know, alongside each other respectfully, I think we're going to push. We're going to we're going to get past this time. Um, Pre-pandemic, we were at record lows in New York City in relations to right. That was the other crazy thing too. Yeah. Everybody got used to it being safe. Right. It was pre-pandemic. And then we got hit with a really and nobody could expect what we got you know, hit with. And then afterwards and during it just it just spiraled out of control. So I'm, I'm just an, I'm an optimist. I'm a hard worker, as you know. I'm looking forward to getting stuff done and, and just going back into the neighborhoods and rescuing as many people as we possibly can, trying to convince people that, you know, that crime is not the answer, is not the way out of any predicament. It's actually the worst. And that we can really turn our neighborhoods around. I'm very optimistic and very confident that we can do so. All right. On that note, I want to thank all of our guests for being with us. Dr. Warren Eller, A.T. Mitchell, and Paul DiGiacomo, thank you so much for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all. <laughs>